Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, listeners, and welcome to News Data's Energy West podcast with me, Dan Catchpole, reporter with uh, News Data's Clearing Up, and my co-host, Jason Fordney, editor with California Energy Markets. We're recording this on March 21st, and we're here uh, today, as always, to make our listeners a little bit uh, better informed and uh, a little faster about what's going on in the energy industry in the uh, Western U.S., Jason, how are you doing today? I'm great, Dan. How are you? How's everything uh, up up there? It's it's good. It's rainy up here. Uh, no surprise. Yeah. You know, it's March in Seattle, so it's rainy. That's kind of just the the usual. Mm-hmm. Um, my my dog keeps going outside and barking, uh, or keeps scratching at the door to go outside, uh, and finally relent. And uh, I figured out it's because she figured out a new way to get out of our backyard. She's this little Aussie shepherd and super agile. And she's like an escape artist. So looking for some sheep to herd. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's like, I know they're out there somewhere. (laughs) So after we get off, I'm going to go out and uh, I already put on my like jeans that I can go get muddy on. So that's my job after we get off here is I got to go close a, a gap in the fence that she figured out how to get it get through oh no all right well get your uh working clothes on yeah not nothing like work i love i actually i love you know as long as it's not a cold rain i love working in mm-hmm. uh in the dirt on a rainy day it's just feels you know yep. get you reconnect with the earth it's- yeah I remember this thing called rain from my days on the East Coast. <laughs> remember it well. We we actually had some here recently, but uh, pretty dry, snowpack almost gone. Oh yeah, but yeah. Give me a dry summer. Yep. There we go. Oh, okay, but let's uh, before we we can save that for another day. So there'll yep. be plenty of stories, dear listeners, to mm-hmm. come back to you for for those in the coming weeks, months. So uh, let's see. Well, I've got some stuff going on in the uh, Northwest, so I'll, I'll just kick us off here. Um, Go for it. So Bonneville Power Administration is pushing back against what is being called, by critics being called a sweetheart deal for power prices that uh, an investment firm is seeking. So the equity firm Blue Wolf Capital is trying to get the Intalco aluminum smelter restarted in Ferndale, Washington. Uh, and on on the Puget Sound or on Puget Sound, and they are they came to BPA with uh, asking for some super low power rates, and uh, public power advocates are saying that this is this would be illegal. Uh, that would be offering terms basically that would be competing with uh, you know, top the first tier public power customers uh, that BPA was set up to supply first and foremost but blue wolf you know, they are they are hustling they are lining up uh, supporters from elected officials at federal state level and labor leaders to lobby bpa uh, f- to approve the rates but bpa says that uh, they've offered 100 megawatts of surplus power at market rates which were significantly or considerably higher than what blue wolf wanted and um, so far you know, BPA is saying that they they're not they're not going to bend, but there's, there's a lot of people calling for 
for BPA to bend on this one. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, meanwhile, BPA has also hired a consulting firm, Energy and Environmental Economics, based out of San Francisco, better known as E3. They've been hired by BPA to conduct a replacement resource study for the lower Snake River Dam. So essentially coming up, you know, if the four dams on the lower Snake River are taken out, what will be required to replace their power attributes in the Northwest Power System? So this is happening as the Northwest Power and Conservation Council considers doing an exhaustive study of that very thing, uh, the, yeah. what it would take to replace those dams. Very controversial issue. Uh, a lot of different entities here siding off uh, have very strong feelings on both sides of this question. The reason the BPA, though, has gone out and hired E3 to do a very quick study is because the White House uh, is taking a closer look at this issue as are congressional Republicans. So this is starting to get into the federal spotlight. And uh, there's the congressional Republicans are concerned that the White House is looking to uh, reconsider, rethink the what was recommended last year in the uh, the Columbia River System Operations Environmental Impact Study, which is a really, that's a mouthful, but essentially uh, it was a federal plan for how best to run the Columbia River power system, uh, the federally controlled power system. And sure. uh, the Trump administration put some pressure on this to push it through quickly. BPA and others wanted to take some more time. It's now locked up in litig it's in litigation in um, in courts. The litigants agreed to put that on pause while these conversations led by the White House uh, are happening. So look for more on that story down the road. It certainly is far from over. And I'm sorry, I misspoke. The EIS uh, record of decision came out in 2020. Do they have any idea what resources would replace it? I mean, they probably want renewables. Well, the bigger issue is the reliability. You know, uh, with all yeah. the the mountains and mountains of renewables that are going to be coming online to replace thermal fired mm -hmm. resources. Yeah, the, how do you? make sure the system stays balanced when you know, you've got drops or rises in wind or after solar goes offline. And so that reliability is, is in addition to the ancillary services like balancing and other uh, services that, that you know, dispatchable firm hydropower provides. So there's a lot yeah. of different aspects. Not uh, that easy to replace. All right. Well, no, interesting. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, then they, they are these studies aren't even scratching into the other uh, values that that the dams provide in terms of navigation, flood control, recreation, yeah. which are all federally mandated values. So I see. And then, well, that's uh, a big, big, big yeah. deal, big project. Oh yeah, Taking yeah. Dams out. Yeah, <laughs> this is. Like I said, a lot of strong opinions on both sides, a lot of uh, vested interests on both sides. So. Sure. Then, uh, it, it, so the Snake Rivers, it, it goes up into Idaho, where developers there in the state of Idaho, that's my segue here. Uh, the developer LS Power just announced that it's plans to build a 
eight, an 800 megawatt wind farm on federal lands southwest of Twin Falls. The developer is already working on a thousand megawatt wind farm northeast of Twin Falls. So they're going to bracket Twin Falls with two really big wind farms. And then uh, nearby in uh, Power County, aptly named Power County, Next wow. Era Energy Resources uh, recently announced that it wants to build, or I'm sorry, they got approved to start building Idaho's biggest solar project, a 300 megawatt solar facility paired with a battery storage system. So a lot of, speaking of those renewable developments, sure. <laughs> we're starting to see those projects in the Northwest just get bigger and bigger. I know those numbers, yeah, don't really phase people in other areas of the West, but those are some pretty big numbers here for the Northwest. Yeah, and has implications obviously for reliability and markets and you need you need better markets to really integrate these things well, I, I would think. Would think, yeah, the uh, the momentum towards organizing a market in the northwest and beyond is just growing and growing. Might be enough to oh, yeah. clear the clear all the uh, the hurdles after years of everybody agreeing that a market would be good, but nobody being able to agree on how to get there, what it should look like. Oh yeah, big conversation. Just yeah, the last couple of things here to highlight for folks, uh, and there's plenty more to read on our website, newsdata.com. Is uh, let's see, we've got some good fish news for the Northwest. You can't talk about the Northwest federal hydropower system without talking about fish. Uh, there's in preliminary forecasts, population returns is supposed to be up for uh, salmon, steelhead, and uh, particularly coho salmon on the Columbia River system so that is some great news but yeah fish scientists fish biologists do caution that uh you know it's good news but it is there's still uh yeah an uphill struggle for these uh for these species populations yeah, yeah. and then last thing uh, avista wants to create a renewable natural gas opt-in purchase option for customers in Idaho and Oregon. They created one like that in Washington last fall, and they're trying to recreate it in the two neighboring states. Uh, so far, 69 people in Washington have signed up, which is not a lot, but you know, it's early days. So, mm -hmm. so that's what we've got for the Northwest. What's going on in your neck of the woods, Jason? Tell us about California. Uh, the Golden State, yes. Um, March 17th, California Independent System Operator gave its stamp of approval to a two-year, $3 billion transmission plan. Uh, the Kaiser's Board of Governors, uh, at a virtual meeting, approved the 2021-2022 transmission plan. Uh, this plan identifies upgrades needed for the state to meet its public policy, reliability, and economic goals. Forecasting by California agencies has revealed a need for a, a growing amount of resources to be added each year. Uh, last year's plan was based on adding 1,000 megawatts per year over the next 10 years, while the plan that was just approved last week assumes 2,700 megawatts of new additions per year. And next year's plan will be based on adding 4,000 megawatts per year. Obviously seeing a lot of new resources, yeah. Um, over the next 20 years, 
the transmission planning forecast assumes 120 gigawatts of new resources. I won't go through them all, but it does include 53 gigawatts of grid-connected solar, 37 gigawatts of battery storage, 2.3 gigawatts of geothermal, and then some other uh, resources, 24 gigawatts of wind divided between in-state, out-of-state, and offshore. Um, yeah, dramatic growth in the amount of planned renewables, and there's also growth in load forecasts driving that transmission plan. Hey, can you just repeat that battery storage number one more time? Yeah, uh, 37 gigawatts. 37. Yeah. I mean, I heard it. I just, it, I feel like <laughs> it, we always need to like repeat it because it is just I know. amazing compared to that. That yeah. number was incomprehensible just a few years ago. I know. And we're talking about, you know, 20 years from now, but uh, clearly the, the way California is going, we're a little, I think we're at 2,600 megawatts right now. Um, and these are all plans, you know, policies can change and administrations can change, but uh, yeah, that's what we're looking at. It's been the, the economics of batteries are just changing so fast. Uh, they are. It's just, it is shocking. Yeah. And I think we'll need some technologies other than lithium ion at some point. Double A's. <laughs> Yep. Um, also, last week, California investor-owned utilities uh, discussed their wildfire mitigation and grid hardening efforts, including undergrounding of power lines and high fire threat districts. These are efforts to reduce wildfire ignitions and also public safety power shutoffs, which of course happen during hot, dry, and windy weather here in California. Uh, the IOUs outlined their strategies at a March 10th technical conference. They presented 2022 updates to their wildfire mitigation plans to the state's Office of Energy Infrastructure Safety. Pacific Gas and Electric uh, this year hopes to complete at least 470 miles of system hardening, including more than 175 miles of undergrounding. PG&E has a target of burying 3,645 total miles of lines. Uh, by 2026, and ultimately wants to underground 10,000 miles. That's according to PG&E officials. Uh, lessons learned from completed undergrounding projects are helping PG&E refine and change design and construction standards in a way that saves money and takes advantage of economies of scale, uh, scale according to PG&E. Um, beyond 22, the utilities also plan to upgrade other equipment Induct, conduct inspections in high fire threat districts and bring on new technologies. Other utilities, San Diego Gas and Electric has completed more than 12,000 enhanced vegetation management trims in 2021, exceeding the required 12 foot of clearance. Uh, SDG&E also completed more than 25 miles of strategic undergrounding in 2021. These are small numbers for undergrounding, but obviously the way things are going, for reasons that are very clear, um, wildfire ignitions being a big problem here. Also, and that's uh, reporting from Abigail Sawyer on the wildfire mitigation plans. From Linda Daly Paulson this week, we have a new study from Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, uh, which looks at existing programs in California for solar adoption. The study shows that means-tested incentives could support solar adoption by low to moderate income households, which in turn could support state equity initiatives. 
solar subsidies are not only reaching the right demographic, they're also increasing adoption in disadvantaged communities. This is according to a LBNL researcher, Eric O'Shaughnessy. Uh, although many states have offered solar energy subsidies, these have phased out over time based on the assumption that incentives are no longer needed once the technology's price prices decrease. However, the high initial, initial cost of solar inhibits adoption by low and moderate income residents, which makes incentive programs important in encouraging adoption. The study focused on data gathered from the California Single Family Affordable Solar Homes Program and the Connecticut Solar for All program to make its assessment. You can find more about that at newsdata.com. Finally, we have a Southwest story again from Abigail Sawyer. Um, some interesting things we've noticed on social media re regarding um, public service company of New Mexico, which is the state's largest utility. BNM says it's not behind comments critical of New Mexico regulators that have appeared on Twitter and in opinion pieces recently published in local newspapers. The PRC at a March 9th meeting discussed several op-eds penned by individuals, including an Albuquerque city council member, an economic development consultant, and a financial advisor. These editorials have appeared in New Mexico newspapers since mid-February. They criticized the J July 2020 NMPRC decision that countered the preferences of public service company of New Mexico, PNM, um, and assert that resource scarcity concerns for summer 2022 would have been avoided if the commission had approved PNM's preferred plan. Uh, one thing we noticed on our CEM Twitter account is several other Twitter accounts with dubious profiles that they all went live in February. They all criticize the commission and they all complain about the rejection of PM and Avangrid's merger application. The tweets all show support for the utility. New Mexico's plan moved to an appointed commission and the state's governor and attorney general who have also criticized the commission. Uh, yeah, we discovered or we noticed several accounts they've uh, all created in February. Um, you can find them on our Twitter account. Uh, they None of them have real photographs. They have no followers. They're obviously fake accounts. Uh, the four suspicious accounts in their short history have retweeted and replied to several published articles covering energy mm. issues in New Mexico. So, uh, by the way, PM says they are not behind these accounts, but agreed they do look suspicious. So what we're seeing, yeah, a little bit of a shadow PR campaign. We don't know who's behind it. But we have noticed it. And you again, you can find more in our newsletter or at newsdata.com. That's about it from California and the Southwest. Back to you, Dan. Wow. Uh, fake Twitter accounts weighing in on energy issues. That's, yeah. I'm sure it's not probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the first instance of that, but uh, yep. it is just a weird world we live in. <laughs> it is. And if, you know, you look at these accounts, it's a pretty clumsy effort. As I said, all created in February. They have no followers. They have generic names, no photographs, no personal history to them. But yeah, you know, it is a world we live in. You just never know on social media these days who is really behind what you're reading, unless you're on the CEM or CEU accounts, which are rock solid. Yes, yes. A good good plug, good transition. Uh follow us on Twitter. Uh I see you 
News Data at CU News Data and at uh, CEM News Data. And go to our website, newsdata.com, to find out more, read these stories and more uh, from clearing up in the Northwest and California energy markets covering, as you might have guessed it, dear listeners, California and the Southwest. Um, so that's it for me, Jason. Uh, anything to add? I don't think so. Uh, we have April Fools coming up. We'll have our mm. April Fools issue. Not to tip people off, we like to surprise them. We usually get a few people each year, but yeah, that'll be a fun thing coming up for our pubs. Other than that, that's about it. Uh, and actually, you know, what? I just before I forget, uh, I've got an interview with former uh, Bonneville Power Administration administrator Steve Wright uh, that will be dropping soon. Um, so oh, definitely a very fascinating interview about what's going on in the Northwest, just bigger picture, where things are headed, uh, real high level pictures from one of the high level conversation from uh, one of the best informed and most thoughtful people in the Northwest and perhaps even just the, the Western power industry uh, in general. And I don't know if you can hear my dog's. Yeah, telling me to get off and <laughs> to go take her outside. So, well, good luck with the fence. Yeah, stay, stay dry. Okay, Winnie, hold on. All right. <laughs> well, that's it from us. Uh, check us out online. Say hi to us on Twitter or tune in next week to hear more. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. <laughs>